Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the channel. 88 points, Game Week 11 has rocketed Upper 90 Studios to 105k in the overall rank with over 700 points, top 1 to 2% out of 7.6 million. On today's video, I compare two different transfer plans by adding the player's scoring potential, and the results might surprise you. So, to get what we want in fantasy, we must risk taking some damage along the way. How would I know what's possible unless I push to the point of failure? Now, this doesn't mean you have to do something outrageous with your team this week. Maybe you're slowly building up until you find the right moment to go on the attack. We all have different priorities and moments to take action. And if you suffered a major setback, sometimes it's less about fighting back straight away with a bold move and more about just continuing. Eventually, you'll get your mojo back and the timing will feel right to take those risks. Let's get right into it with the Game Week 11 review. 88 points, 105k in the overall rank. Mandy, 2 points. As a goalkeeper, when you come out like that, you have to be sure you're getting the ball. I was more taken back by the way he slid into the player than the actual goal because he risked being sent off as the last man. Thankfully, Bamford went around him and scored. I have Bamford, so it kind of all worked out anyway. Lamptey, I kept him through a suspension, 1 point. Brighton were on top for long spells, especially in the first half, but they failed to take their chances, which allowed VAR to settle the game with that late penalty. But the big decision was dropping Bruno Fernandez, 6 points, for Kevin De Bruyne, 28 points captain. One reason was that United are a hard team to assess. They can be down 2-0 at halftime, then fight back and turn it around late in the game. Another factor was that I wasn't feeling the original idea of Ziyech for Sun to free up funds for KDB. The new plan was an even bigger cut to my bench with a 3.8 million defender, which allowed a move for KDB while keeping Sun plus Kane and Salah. It worked perfectly. De Bruyne was a beast with a goal, an assist, 28 points. Sun, 13 points. That was one of the best goals I've seen this season. To curl it from that distance with that much power. And what I loved about Sun's assist was how he never even looked at Kane making the run. Harry Kane, 12 points, scored his 250th career goal, and that's now 10 assists this season, four more than any other player. Since Tottenham are so compact, under Mourinho, it gives the illusion that Kane is playing deeper. But he typically starts as the highest player, checking to the ball and pulling defenders out of position, which creates space for Sun. We saw that with the first goal. And when Spurs gain possession, other teammates might be ahead of him, but he works hard to sprint into the box and score, as he did on the second goal. Mo Salah, 14 points, vice-captain. Kane was my original vice-captain, but he was a doubt. This was the best I've seen Salah play for some time. Endless energy, driving at defenders with pace, and he was always looking up to see who was open for the pass. With the goal, assist, and maximum bonus, Salah became the third highest scorer in FPL, and he had COVID. Bamford, 8 points. Calvert-Lewin, 6 points. I was afraid they could struggle against their opponents. Both scored. Bamford now faces a West Ham defense that has lost its composure in recent games. Calvert-Lewin has two tricky fixtures next, Chelsea and Leicester, but he's the top scorer in the league, and he scored against Tottenham, Liverpool, and other teams that can be difficult to break down. Aston Villa versus Newcastle was called off, so Basuma stepped in for Grealish. Basuma actually had a chance for an assist when he put Gross through on goal in the first half. Then he ended up being booked for punching the floor after that VAR incident. That's now four yellow cards for the season, one more, and Basuma will serve a one-match ban. It would be another notch in a long list of accomplishments for my all-star bench. So here are the other standouts for Game Week 11. Bruno Fernandez, six points. He came on as a sub and changed the game. Yes, the ball curled out of play for the assist of Pogba, but that would ignore all the other chances Fernandez put on a plate for Rashford and Greenwood. He came on at the break and deserved at least two assists for his performance. I just thought it was funny that VAR can tell when a player is offside by a toe, then miss the ball going out 
over the manager's head on the sidelines. Congrats if you stuck with Socek, 8 points. He provides top value in the 5 million pound range. Olivier Giroud, 6 points. Trademark header, but it should have been 2. Not sure what Werner was thinking. He blocked Giroud's effort that looked to be on target and somehow smashed it up against the bar. I'm confused just thinking about it. Danny Ings, 8 points, looked sharp on his return and scored from the spot. His price point's a little tricky, but he is an option depending on the team structure. I was happy to get him on the wildcard, then he got injured. If you have a standout player that you think could do well, let me know in the comments below. So what's the plan for game week 12? Plan A is to do nothing. The team core is averaging 77 points in the last three game weeks, with scoring potential for game week 12 and the near future. Salah set as captain against Fulham, and if Scott Barker approaches this game as he did against Manchester City, with attacking intent, there could be opportunities for Liverpool attackers in behind. Fulham actually played well against City, but there were times when their players, especially their wide players, they could have been punished for pushing high up the pitch. Now plan B, that's even crazier than last week's, and that would be to sell De Bruyne for Mane captain. This is a short-term gamble on Mane against Fulham, targeting their weakness at fullback. De Bruyne can also score against Man United, but I'm tempted by Mane's ceiling. The price difference also allows an easy swap back to KDB versus West Brom the following week. Plan B does require two moves and a transfer hit, so if it was straight up, it might be easier. One way to choose between two transfer plans is by adding up the combined potential ceiling. A player's potential ceiling is the highest points I feel a player could score. I'm not saying this is going to happen, and we may have different assessments any given week. This is just one method I use when comparing transfer plans. Let's say De Bruyne gets an assist, a clean sheet point, and bonus. 8 points against United. Salah scores 11 points versus Fulham, while Mane hauls with double digits, let's say 14 points. KDB 8 plus Salah captain 22 equals 30. Mane captain 28 plus Salah 11 equals 39 minus the 4 hit is 35. Plan B could potentially win, but it's putting a lot of pressure on Mane to deliver double digits against Fulham and they have improved in recent games. Remember the ceiling is the highest that Mane could score. He could also score anywhere from 2 points, 6 points, anywhere in between. In plan B, this also drops KDB for a hit. Then he needs a transfer to bring him back in week 13 while hoping that there are no other issues with the squad. It's a massive risk and different from my moves last week. Since I already have KDB in plan A, I can bank the transfer, then I'm holding two free transfers as we push into the busy December period. Plan B with Mane is riskier, but I'm tempted by the upside. My direct competitors have KDB, none have Mane. Mane is selected by less than 10% of managers overall, making him a strong differential. At this moment, I'm leaning toward plan A. Keep in mind, this video was recorded before the Champions League midweek, and Guardiola is threatening to feel the strongest side when they've already won the group. I'm also keeping an eye on Liverpool, who will hopefully rest all their key players. Last week I made two early transfers and got away with it, but I was worried about the midweek games, and normally I wait until closer to deadline before making transfers. As far as the fixture difficulty cheat sheet, something has been holding me back from putting out the latest update, and it's not a case of the lazy bones. This is the only fixture cheat sheet I trust, but the truth is I've been relying on it less this season because having no fans in the stands affected home versus away form. When setting the fixture ratings, one element is the results from the previous set of games, and the stats from these games without fans may not generate an accurate representation of actual team strength. Now we have some fans returning, and it's amazing. The problem is some teams are allowed fans, and others aren't, and that is not a level playing field of competition, because you have supporters cheering on players and putting pressure on the referees. And if you don't think 2,000 fans is enough to make a difference, then watch that Chelsea versus Leeds game. Every time Diego Llorente got the ball, Chelsea fans targeted him with noise, and it completely rattled him. He was nervous in possession, giving the ball away cheaply, and even got booked for a mistimed tackle. Chelsea fans helped their team win 3-1, but Leeds are not allowed to have fans in their own stadium. I can understand 
how having any fans at all, it helps the league, even if it's just a few teams. I'm only talking about what a lopsided playing field of competition does to the stats and the fixture difficulty cheat sheet. Once I feel comfortable with the ratings, then I'm going to share it with you guys. Any product I put out has to be something that I use in my own strategy, and it has to be strong. Your desire to win should always outweigh the fear of losing. To deny yourself disappointment is to deny yourself victory. Thank you so much for all the love and support, all the likes and subscribes. Be sure to leave your comments and thoughts below, and I wish you big green arrows game week 12. So that's going to be a wrap for today. Stay tuned for my next video. If you like my music, all my songs are free on the website. See the link in the description. U90 Mini League. Good at FPL? Join U90 Mini League for a chance to win. Be sure to follow at Upper90 Studios on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, where you get an inside scoop before YouTube. And if you're brand new to the channel, be sure to like and subscribe and turn on your post notifications because this season is going to be incredible. Don't forget to subscribe to our email list and get your free fixture difficulty cheat sheet. Click the fantasy tab at upper90studios.com. Thanks for watching. See you soon.